Our guest today has been providing test prep for over 20 years. She's going to share her best test prep advice with you today, along with her unique and comprehensive approach to success on aptitude, like the GMAT, GRE, LSAT, MCAT, etc., and licensing exams, including the U.S. LME. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Acceptance founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 427th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me. Before I introduce our guest for today, I'd like to invite you to take advantage of Accepted's price rollback. Last year, in the midst of the pandemic, Accepted experimented with a price rollback. It was so popular that we are doing it again. Today and tomorrow, you can purchase Accepted's outstanding admissions advising and editing at 2017 prices. Just to go to accepted.com services, choose the service that's right for you, and save. The rollback prices will only display in the shopping cart, not on the website page. But hurry, this special ends at midnight, July 21st, Pacific time. Then it's back to contemporary times and 2021 pricing. Our guest today, Bara Sapir, is an internationally recognized expert in high-performance coaching and personal empowerment, and is a pioneer in mindful test-taking and transformative test preparation. She has a BFA from the University of Michigan, an MA in education from the Jewish Theological Seminary, and an MA from the University of Michigan in Art History, Gender, and Holocaust Studies. Well-resourced and experienced, she has had a 20-plus year career in the test prep field with expertise in eliminating test anxiety, managing stress, building confidence, and improving each student's journey through the academic terrain. She founded City Test Prep, a hybrid test preparation company providing academic mastery, test-taking strategy, and techniques in holistic and mindful test-taking. Vera, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. It's great to be here, Linda. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. Given your background in the arts and history, to a certain extent, how on earth did you get involved in test prep? <laughs> it started when I was at University of Michigan. I was in the art, the art program, fine arts program, and felt that I wanted to stay on to really take advantage of the university. Right. And I could have either gotten a double major or I could have stayed on to get a master's degree and be in the PhD program and thought, let me apply to PhD programs. But to do that, I needed to take a test prep course in order to take the GRE. And I did. I took the Princeton Review and felt like, oh, this is really interesting. This is really fun. I can do this too. So I started working for Princeton Review and I saw how the work that I did as an artist, which is so much about being in the zone and being present and really allowing yourself to be just so fully immersed in the now so that you can produce what it is that you're trying to express was really relevant to students who were learning a lot of the material once I started teaching. So I started to bridge these worlds between the fine arts and being in the zone and the students I was teaching in in test prep. Fascinating. Okay. What role does mindfulness play in effective test prep in your view? And let's, let's start, let's go back a bit. Let's, how do you define mindfulness? Right. It's a very popular term now, right? Everyone Absolutely. is talking about 
mindfulness being in school and intentionality, purposefulness, mindfulness. Exactly. It was very, it, it became very popular. Stress relief. Absolutely. So mindfulness is a mental state that is achieved to be in the present moment. And okay. it's what one needs to do. It's a practice of being in the present moment. And when you're in the moment, it doesn't negate that there's things that come into your mind and being aware of the things that come into your mind, whether it's thinking about what came before or what came after or what your feelings are about, whatever it is, whatever bodily sensations that come up, it's acknowledging that those things come into play, but that at all times you have the, the practice and process of, of acknowledging it, but then coming back to the moment and coming back to the moment. And, and the practice itself allows you to be in the moment, even when you're actually not in a mindful meditation. So it's it in, in a lot of ways, it's similar to prayer, right? Because when you pray, you're in that moment of harnessing that gratitude, that acknowledgement of being there, but other things can come into play so that when you're actually not in prayer, you're learning that how to actually be in the moment, especially when things come up that are stressful or uncomfortable or even happy, right? Or things to be grateful for. So like it's, it's all practices and trainings of just allowing the moment to be a bigger burst of awareness. That's a big definition, right? That's, That's a big definition, but I think that the idea of focus is mm -hmm. probably the, the essential kernel. Am I correct? Yeah, focus, because there's going to be things that are always going to be vying for your attention, but allowing yourself to be in that focus, just like acknowledging that we live in a, we live in a world of, and always have where there are distractions, but that we can be focused and allow that moment to open up to us so that we can be the self that we hope to be. And how does that affect test prep? The way it affects test prep is a lot of students go into testing, either feeling that they're not good enough or they're never good test takers or that clock is ticking or that person is sniffling or there's skateboarders outside, whatever it is, there's things that, that come into play. And by learning how to better harness the moment and gain and improve focus or upgraded focus, you have a better chance of really accessing what you've learned, what you've retained and to recall it in that moment. So it's similar to playing a game of tennis, right? When you play a game of tennis or when you practice tennis, you learn the skills, you learn the skills, you practice, you even have, you can have a ball being thrown at you and you practice that muscle movement on and on and on and you get that muscle memory. So that when you're in a match itself, the inner game, what we're playing in that moment, you're not going to think, oh, I need to have my arm at this particular angle, right? What's the percentage angle? It's really thinking about it in terms of being in that moment and knowing all the practice that brought you there, you're going to be able to show up for yourself as long as you're present. And usually I tell my students, no matter what, really your job at this point is to be present. You've already done all the work. You've done all the study. You've done all of the 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 building up for this moment and now it's about releasing and letting the moment unfold in front of you and you showing up for it okay, great thank you that was really helpful let's let's step away from the, the mindfulness part and and talk more about subject mastery okay for for the moment mm -hmm. how should an applicant know how much time to allocate for for test prep now i know you work across a wide range of tests so some of it's going to depend on what test they're going for, and some of it will depend on where they're at in terms of their knowledge of the material. But can you give any, any guidelines? Absolutely. 
I, I mean, the guidelines are that there are no guidelines, but <laughs> that, that the way that a student can be informed about what they need to do is that they, you know, you want to be armed with knowledge. And the way that you're armed with knowledge is you take a diagnostic test. And many of the test prep companies, the folks that actually write the tests, provide diagnostic tests that you can take. Sure. So taking a diagnostic test allows you to take inventory of your strengths and weaknesses. And we look at it not only in what a person gets correct or incorrect, but are they guessing, right? If you're guessing and getting it right, you were lucky in that moment, you still need to look at it. But we're also looking at how people answer and what the patterns are. And are they making careless mistakes? Or are they making mistakes because they just are deficient in, in knowledge? Is it a timing issue? Do they, if they had all the time in the world, they'd be able to answer it, but they were under that pressure. And what's their mindset? So we look at content mastery, test taking strategy, the mindset and, 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 and time management. I think I said that. But we look at that and, and students need to look at that through a diagnostic way so that they can know a student might need a week of prep or they might need three months of prep. So it really depends on the individual. And the big the big companies will have six week to two month courses. That's usually how they're set up, because I think that's the average time it takes to really have a complete overhaul of what you need, but not everyone needs an overhaul. Or sometimes people just need to fine tune and that fine tuning is really just really stubborn and it's really difficult to move past it and they might need a little bit more time, but it really depends on what a student needs. So we generally say, think about it as six weeks to two months, but we need to look at your diagnostic first to see really what it is that you need. And students need to think about taking the test at least twice, right? Twice. Taking the, taking a real the practice exams test. twice or the real test twice? The real test twice. There at least Why? more than once. Typically it's it's they score it, it kind of works out whatever kinks there are, whatever is not quite working in the first test. And it's like, oh, this is what the test's about. And as many times as someone can take a diagnostic, it's being in the real test center and really feeling what that's like, that the second time is usually often a charm. If they can get it done the first the first time, that's fantastic. But often students need to take it two or three times. So it's it's gauging that when they work backwards, when are the applications due? Right. When do they actually start? Yeah. I always advise students to to go in and try and make it so they only have to take it once. And then if you don't get the score you want, you know, deal with it. Um, either by retaking, which is usually the best way to deal with it, or which is kind of what you're saying, uh, you know, it's an alignment with what you're saying on identical, but an alignment, or you, you know, you change the schools you're you're applying for. But um, you know, that anyway, that's uh the kind of my typical advice. The you mentioned mindset in there is one of the the, th- the three things that need the, the applicant needs to look at. Now, mindset, do you mean like the growth mindset and let's say Dweck's view, or does it mean something else to you? Well, I love that you brought that up. Um, I love the book. It's an amazing book and amazing work. And it's really valuable for everyone, not just test takers. Growth mindset, for those of you who are who are listening now, has to do with a way, an approach to life. So there's a fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset. The fixed mindset is when you think that things are just absolute and this is just the way it is. So before when I mentioned that we sometimes have students that say, I'm not a good test taker, that's a fixed mindset. That's a way of saying, 
this is an accurate measure of my worth, of my abilities, of what I'm capable of doing. And it's fixed. It can't be changed. It's fixed. fixed. Well, it can be changed if you do growth mindset work. Right, right. The growth mindset basically looks at life as more like a game and more like an opportunity for growth. So a growth mindset as compared to I'm not a good test taker would be someone who says, wow, that's really interesting. I didn't do so well on that, but this is a really great opportunity for me to improve and for me to learn and for me to grow. It gives an opportunity. It's just a a much more positive and open to the mystery and, and open to being open to what actually can happen. So the, the mindset piece that I'm talking about, the growth and fixed mindset is part of this, but it also has to do with how are we going to deal with some of the symptoms that are coming up that have to do with negative self-belief patterns, negative limitations that we put on ourselves, any kind of phobia. Some people have phobias about math or about testing centers, not just about snakes and, and planes and water, but people have real clear issues with what these tests stand for or being judged in a particular way. And so once we realize what the symptoms are, we're able to address those. And so the mindset is the overall umbrella and Dweck's work is is a piece of, it's an important piece of that. And it's really helping the student really look at themselves and see how do they want to show up in the world and how do they want to show up on the test? And the test, we see most of these tests are metaphors of how to be in life. So once you learn how to crack being judged or evaluated against other people in in whatever way that shows up, you can actually have this help you with interviews and help you with with presentations and just just moving through life, especially growth mindset, because this is just Mm -hmm. fundamental. It's, it's basically a belief that you can change, that you have some agency in your life, you have the opportunity to change, you have talents and that you can Im- improve them, um, skills, whatever. So yeah, no, I, I love the book. I will tell you that when each of my our children had, had children, I got them the copy of the book for the parents, <laughs> the new parents. Yeah. Any advice you have for people taking a test, be it the LSAT, the GMAT, the MCAT, you know, whatever the alphabet soup is for the second or third time. Now you mentioned that you encourage them to plan on, on a a second time. Yeah, Uh, I do. I, I, you know, it's interesting. Like the, your approach is really interesting about changing the schools. And well, I don't, I don't recommend that. I would, I would first recommend a retake unless, you know, unless they felt like they'd, you know, everything was going great. All cylinders were firing and they'd studied and they'd done the prep and they'd done everything and they time management was great and they still got a low score. Mm-hmm. Then maybe I'd have a second thought about it, but usually they'll say I messed up on timing or I didn't have the time to study because I got a big project at work or there was a jackhammer going outside the test center or my internet, you know, if they were taking it at home, cause it's another thing now, you know, went out. And then I said, well, then, you know, try it again. Right. So I got to say that all these tests are coachable. Like that's, Mm. that's sort of like, that's the secret. Like they're all really coachable and they're all, uh, for the most part, there is some knowledge. There is some material that people need to understand, but a lot of it has to do with critical reasoning. It has to do with critical thinking and thinking through things. So I've taken tests, you know, these funny internet tests that they have, you know, like, you know, what animal are you or whatever it is. Like I've taken some of them or even about 
How literate are you? Um, and I might not know the answer, but because I've done, I've been so close with tests, I actually score really well on things I know nothing about because there's <laughs> a kind of ethos, there's a kind of surfing that takes place of understanding what, what are the purpose of these tests and what are they trying to get from the person who's taking them? So getting a student in the mindset of critical thinking is super, super helpful and it helps them beyond. Like the MCAT, like the verbal, the verbal section, the car section is completely simulating what's happening for a medical student to diagnose and prescribe to a patient. Like it's simulating that kind of scenario through language. So we very much recommend that if a student is taking it second, third, or even fourth time, that they really look, they go back to the basics of that diagnostic and see where have they improved? Where have they not improved? Has something fallen by the wayside? What do they actually need to do? But it's a really data-driven process. So it's interesting because it is data-driven. It is a coachable test. And we also want students to trust their intuition and gut once they've trained it to be able to see the things that, that, they, that they are going to see. So for example, if there's many questions, uh, if there's many, there, you've got five answer choices, let's say, three of them are probably not going to be so great, but two of them are going to be pretty good. And what's the least wrong answer, especially when it's verbal-based, a verbal question? So we want to get that sensitivity and that familiarity down. So for the student that you're talking about, that everything was so great, I would probably... I would probably challenge them on that, that there was something there that might not have been great and they might not want to take it again, but to get in line, what kind of fine tuning they need to succeed and to really look at the whole scenario, what didn't work and what are we gonna make work this time? If it was a noise outside, well, then we need to teach them how to avoid being distracted, right? So we, it's really looking at all the pieces of what didn't work, make it work better the, the next time. Okay. Thank you. Do you have any advice for non-traditional applicants who let's say have been out of school for five or more years? Obviously many MBA applicants are in that category, but you also have JD, MD, they also can be in that category. There's, there's a couple of things that I usually will say to them and it's, and it comes down to the why, you know, why are you doing this? What is this about? And, and why, why are you seeking our help? And why should we why should we give you the support it's not just that you know people come to us and they just sign up and you know we want to know what is it that people are about and why is this going to be important to them and then honestly i say you need to call people like linda <laughs> you need to call an admissions consultant because you need to look at your entire candidacy to see what's actually going on now those are often the students that are most scared of math right, right. they're scared of and, uh, you know, I do know that it's popular um, and effective to tell students to take some, some math that's on their transcript to show that they're capable of doing the math, mm -hmm. et cetera. I often tell them that this is all coachable, but that you really want to get a team together to help you move through the, that each part of the process, the interview, the essays, your application, like, who are you? What kind of extracurricular have you done? Why is the school going to be excited about you? And, and I don't work on that piece of it. It's our piece. <laughs> so I recommend, I, like if someone comes to me as a non-traditional student, it's like, 
you really need to speak with an admissions consultant because the schools are going to be looking at you differently and that you want them to be excited about the experience and the knowledge that you're bringing, especially if it's a tangential field that you're leveraging into a new study. Okay, great. Thank you. What are some of the more common mistakes uh, in, in test prep that you see applicants making? So two of the, two of the uh, popular ones we see are they think that they're better than the test and that the test is stupid. (laughs) Just very, very arrogant and very not, not in alignment with the test or the opposite. They're petrified of the test. They feel like the, almost the test is out to get them and like, (laughs) what? have to do this and it's so awful so you have the the two these two poles and it's really bringing people you know to the middle that the test is not out to get them and that yes the test actually has some authority still and so that it's really about bringing them to just a sense of just surrender and allowing them to move through the test and the other i think often we hear this well my friend said this is what i need to do to score really well on the test yeah this is, you know, or I, I read this on on Reddit, or I saw this on the boards, and it feels to me like, you know, everyone is a professional. Everyone is, you know, putting out their their placard saying that they know what to do because they scored really well. Even there's tutors that have scored really well but don't have experience necessarily teaching, or they have a lot of experience teaching but they don't have experience scoring really well. So it's really about going to the professionals and getting a professional opinion, not your uncle's best friend's brother's son, you know, to tell you how to do really well on these tests. You know, I, I, I can't tell you, it's very, it's not super frequently, but it does happen. And I'm just like, you didn't just say that, did you? <laughs> like, really, your brother's best friend's son's, you know, cousin. So it's, um, it's really looking to the professionals. We wouldn't go to a, a, a medical specialist and say, well, my, my brother said to do this, you know, go to the specialist. It's really the same with with test prep and I think applications. Right. Right. And we sometimes get that also. My cousin said that you're taking the wrong approach or whatever, and, or my brother-in-law or whatever it is. Um, anyways, uh, let's, let's move to the area where I think you have a specific expertise and that is, you know, reducing anxiety, reducing stress. Now you talk about eliminating anxiety before a test. How about just reducing it? What can students do to reduce anxiety? Reducing is great. Reducing is as good to just completely get rid of it. Some people, I do want to say some people come to us and say, yeah, but a little bit of anxiety is good. Like I heard that a little bit of anxiety is good. And it's true. A little bit of anxiety cannot be, cannot be sort of experienced as different than excitement. And if you have a little bit of excitement that can help you just stay on target and stay focused. The challenge is that it's a very low, it's a very specific amount of anxiety that gets mistaken for excitement and focus. So it's pretty difficult to do the kind of training that that would require to get someone in that exact percentage. So we teach students a variety of techniques based on the symptoms that they have. So we talked about mindfulness before and mindfulness is, is wonderful and you need to have time, you know, at least a couple of weeks to really start to see the benefits of mindfulness. So we draw from hypnosis, EMDR, EFT tapping. It's a kind what of- What is EMDR and EFT tapping? EMDR is an eye movement modality that allows the body to sink and get, and get grounded. And it's used therapeutically. So we combine that with tapping, 
which is a kind of acupuncture without needles, affirmations and reframing. Reframing is similar to growth mindset in that if a situation happens, you can see it one way. Mm-hmm. For example, if I spilled if I spilled this water, I could get super upset that I spilled water and it's near my computer. Or I could say, wow, it didn't hit my computer. And like, I guess I have to clean my table, right? Like I can mm-hmm. get it as a different way of seeing things. So often when students go into tests, a lot of the anxiety and stress have to do with just not having a clear canvas. They could be thinking about things in a relationship, or they could be thinking about things of how they feel about the test and how this test is so important for them to get in and have they studied enough? And is it really going to show up that they've studied? So it's identifying all of these voices, the monkey mind that, that are occurring and giving voice to them prior to the test and giving them techniques to quiet them, to see that they're doing the best that they can. And also, honestly, there are no surprises. So when you go into the test calm and focused, however you've scored on diagnostic tests is how you're probably going to score plus or minus, you know, 20, 30 points. But there's not going to be a big surprise. You know, if a student comes in and they're scoring, let's say on the GMAT, they're scoring a 650 and they say, well, I want to score a 750. Well, that's great. You, you actually need to work up to that. You're probably not going to score the 750 on test day. But if you start to score 780 on your diagnostic tests, it is likely that you can score easily that 750. It's it's really looking at the score a student wants to get, making sure that they're answering to that level and making sure that they feel good when they go in to take the test. So hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming, mindfulness, sound therapy, making sure they're sleeping well, right? Making Mm. sure that they're eating well and really getting them on course, whether they're coming to us a week ahead of time or two months ahead of time, looking at that span and what, what does that look like for that student? And many of our students are just coming to us for straight test prep, straight content, straight test taking mastery. That's, that's all, but many also come to us and there's just something not feeling completely right. And so we want to unpack that and give them the tools to go in and feel grounded, emotionally regulated. Do you have any tips? I meant to ask this earlier, actually, that are specifically geared for the day of the exam or the day before the exam that was right before. Yeah. Should they be cramming? No, they should. (laughs) (laughs) They should not. It's not. It's if, if, you know, for many students that will add to stress and, and really it's, if I go back to the tennis metaphor before the tennis example, where you're practicing all along, this is a marathon, right? You wouldn't do a marathon the day before a marathon. So you don't really want to cram the day before an intense testing situation. So we teach students um, something, for example, called the the backward spin, which deals with panic. So what happens when you're looking at a question and you've not seen it before, you don't think you've seen it before, and all of a sudden you feel this panic moving through you, we teach them a modality to help them to just diffuse that feeling and then move into a much more empowered, embodied state. All of the mindfulness training that's been done, they can bring that the day of the test also. There's a breathing exercise based on heart math, a heart math that has to do with just grounding and allowing the student to ground. There's bilateral stimulation where you can you can take an object and just go back and forth 
uh, passing the, the midline, which emotionally sinks the right brain and left brain and helps you ground emotionally. So there's many things that you can do the day of the test. You don't want to learn it the day of the test necessarily, right? You can learn some of them the day before the test. And we, we've worked with many students the day before. But with those students, we've done hypnosis. We've done what's called change work to get them to see things differently so that when they go into the test, they are feeling very focused. But even during the test, there's things students can do that will eradicate the anxiety or at least reduce it. Right. Okay, great. Now, there's a there's a I think a, a drumbeat in society that all stress is bad. We have to do anything possible to reduce stress. My personal opinion is that stress is inevitable. It's just a part of life. So what you really need to do is learn how to deal with it. How do you deal with stress? So everyone is going to deal with stress differently, right? Mm -hmm. Some people will shut down from stress. True, true. Some people get activated and get anxious. Uh, so the way that a person best deals with stress is to understand how it affects them and then figuring out a plan of what to do when that actually happens. Some of the modalities that I mentioned before are super helpful. And then you, you wind up having a toolbox right, of what to use in those scenarios in order to not let stress affect us. And I think of stress similar to, uh, you know, an injury or, or not feeling comfortable, like it's really a memo to yourself. Wow, something is not right. Something is off. There's something out of balance here. And recognizing that it's a gift because it's actually letting you know that something is not in alignment. And once you get that memo, you don't need the symptoms anymore. You've gotten the memo, you've gotten, you've gotten the information. So what can you do to move beyond it? And life is not always plateaued, but you don't want to fall into lethargy and you don't want to fall into overdrive. You want to be able to say like, I'm stressed. This is why I'm stressed. These are the triggers that are making me stressed. And what do I, what can I learn from this? And, and who do I want to be in this moment with, with all of this? Right. And also just, I mean, there are just times in life where you will have stress. Mm -hmm. It's just inevitable. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We can't stop the world. We don't, you know, you can't stop the world. Yeah. You can't stop the world. You can't stop the world. I noticed that for myself, because I've been doing this work for so long that I don't react in the same way that I used to, because all the work I do with students, I get, I get the benefit. It's, it's borrowed benefits from working okay. with them. So I noticed that I, I have a little bit more of a like, oh, look at look at this is what this is what's happening to me now. And giving students those tools to have a little bit of pause or space between that which is stressing them out. We're going to have stresses. We live in a mm. world that there's distractions and stresses and things to be concerned about. I mean, we've also all been shelter in place <laughs> over a year. And we're going to have stresses that we don't even realize we're going to have because we've been away from normal stresses and normal things that didn't stress us before, like being around a lot of people, right? Right. right. So it's really identifying, wow, what is this moment teaching me and who do I want to be in it? And what do I need to do to be my most calm? And, or, or what is my, what is my desired state at this time? Now I went through a very stressful period. Um, oh, gee, it's almost 30 years ago. And um, 
afterwards, I found that many things that had bothered me before were like, you know, just, I'll just go away. Just, you know, they were minor annoyances. Um, and at some point I was able to, you know, I, I just realized, look, that's, that's aggravating. It's not, doesn't compare to what I went through. It is aggravating. I'll deal with it. Um, and then, you know, not always that calm, but uh, on some level, again, you, you go through stressful periods. It's just, it's just inevitable. It's part of life. And um, I think whether you use the techniques that you're talking about or you just learn to deal and maybe uh, develop a thicker skin, whatever it is, it's, it is going to be part of life. And yes, one does need to learn how to deal with it. Yeah, it's finding out how to do self-care. It's figuring out what do you need to do to feel grounded, regulated, and positive about yourself. And certainly the larger stressful situations make the smaller situation oh, yeah. not seem as intense. Right, right. Um, there are lots of test prep companies out there. And I think you've kind of hinted at this, but how is City Test Prep different? City Test Prep has been around now for over, well, we were before we were Test Prep New York, Test Prep San Francisco. Right. Um, but we've been around for over 20 years and we look at each student carefully. And a lot of test prep companies do that. They have an individualized approach. I, we're the only one that I know of that takes a four-prong approach in dealing with students um, improving their scores through content mastery, test-taking strategy, speed. We deal with that with uh, speed reading and mindset. And with mindset, a lot of companies will bring in mindfulness. Uh, I shouldn't say a lot. There's a, there's a handful of companies that bring in mindfulness. Some, the individual tutors might bring in breathing exercises. I feel like we, from what I see out there, we're the only company that really looks at this from, from the holistic health, wellness, and mindful approach. So we're drawing from many different modalities and have products that reflect this and do workshops and one-on-one -on -one coaching that deal with the mindset piece of it. And we're about to launch a, an online, I don't know if I've, I've told you about this, Linda, no. we're about to launch a, a mindful speed reading platform. Oh. We're in beta testing now, and that's, that is test specific. And it has a mindful channel and it's all gamified, a gorgeous user interface. And so that's, that is, there's, there's no other test prep companies that I see bridging different worlds. I see very much that most test prep companies are very, there's a lot of amazing test prep companies and they're very focused on, on the content Mastery. strategy. And we, we make sure our students practice. The majority of our students are just coming to us for the, test prep aspect, but we have these other pieces when things don't fall into place because inevitably everyone feels a little anxious. And so we sure. have different products and tools to help students with that piece of it and making sure that those four pieces, speed, strategy, content, and mindset are all in alignment. Right. And now you've, you've mentioned a tool that you're coming out with, I think one-on-one -on -one coaching, are, are you mostly online? Do you have some in-person classes? Um, what options do you offer students and where do you see it going in the future? 
as we hopefully come out of COVID and lockdowns and all that good stuff? Yeah. So we do teach some courses, but those are usually uh, those are usually with organizations or with schools that hire us to do particular programs. The the workshop that we teach open to the public. I mean, we're always open to teach workshops if a group of people come to us and they want us to teach something. Uh, but we we teach the speed reading course as a workshop, and we've been teaching it online for several years. I knew Zoom way before COVID. I should have bought stock. I didn't buy stock. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've been we've been online for quite some time because we our clientele is all over the world, and so we're we've been online doing one on one. If we have a tutor that's a good fit for a student in that city or, or town that they live in, we will have them work with, with that particular person in person when things are safe again. We were doing it before COVID. Uh, right now, we mostly work virtually and we do have, um, we have products that students can use like our audio products and then this, this new, it's called MindFlow Speed Reading. That's going to be accessible to both tutoring companies and admissions mm. consultants and schools for them to use. We have an enterprise version of it, but also it's it, a consumer version as well. But a lot of what we do is one-on-one coaching. Is that your most, is that the most popular offering that you offer that you provide? Mostly. Yeah. Okay, great. We teach several men. We teach actually quite a few programs in New York city. Through right. Well, that's where you're, that's where you were originally from. Right. All right. What do you see in your crystal ball for test prep and city test prep particularly? I mean, I see that you've moved beyond aptitude tests and are now doing getting into licensing exams. Do you think you're going to go more in that direction? We we definitely meet the market where it meets us, right? So where we see that there's a need, we will we will show up for it. We've been teaching FINRA and the bar. We've been teaching medical boards. Um, so we've been we've been meeting. We've been doing this for many years now. I'm really excited about the online piece that we're going to be offering. I feel that this is super exciting um, to have a to a gamified platform yeah. for students. I'm, I'm that's I'm really excited about this next this next piece, and we're going to continue with the online coaching because it just it it's such an upgrade for so many students and so helpful to really show up where students need us. You know, sure. On the GMAT, like what, you know, what's, what's the issue? And I love that what we do is so fine-tuned. It's not by the whole thing. It's like, what do you need? How can we show up for you? And so I, I see more of that. Okay, great. What would you have liked me to ask that I haven't asked so far? Well, it's, uh, I, I love all the questions you've asked. They've been. Thank you. <laughs> Um, you, you know, there's there's a really interesting conversation happening now among my my colleagues about, and also in the industry about equity and tests, and you know, having an admissions consultant, and there's there's a lot really happening here. And I wouldn't say that it's affected us personally, but I do think it's a conversation worth having because there's there's a sense that oh, if people have money, then they're getting test prep and then they're getting into the schools. And when you really look at it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways that students can improve themselves, improve their scores and, and move through. There's a lot of material that's available. And that same kind of scrutiny isn't happening for, let's say, sports. 
It's not happening. You, people don't say, oh, people who play sports have a lot of money or, or like it's the people, you know, really it's, it's for some reason test prep and that aspect of self-improvement. And we see test prep, not just for the end goal of getting a great score. We see it as an educational opportunity to learn great study skills, to understand what your learning style. And so I mean, the only, the only thing I think that's an interesting thing to look at is, is how test prep is really a vital way of preparing yourself for further study. It's not just for the score itself. And seeing that we see the test as both a metaphor for further study and also just a practical process, um, especially when, when schools see that a student has taken the test a few times, it really talks about resilience and grit, determination, and determination. And so there's more to the test than just the score. And, and so we like to look at it that way as an educational tool across the board. It's interesting. I recently interviewed the head of admissions at Boston University Medical School. Mm-hmm. And I asked her if they have any thoughts of getting rid of the, the MCAT. And she said, no. She said, we are a social justice school. So there were several times in the, in the interview. And I'll link to the interview. I don't remember. I have the moment I'm blanking on her name, but it definitely was BU. We are a social justice school. And we feel that the test is an important part of our mission because it allows people who don't go to what she called fancy schools to apply and for me to have the confidence that they can do the work. Exactly. So, you know, there, there is a place for testing and test prep for, you know, uh, people who maybe come from disadvantaged backgrounds. And then to improve it, she, she strongly felt that, that it was actually um, a vehicle for improving equity, not, not, uh, not the I opposite. Would, I would agree. I would agree. There's not a problem with the tests. It's a problem with how the tests are being perceived and looked at. That the yeah. tests might show, the, the tests will give us some data, but, but everyone, it's a coachable test and there's a lot of material available. And so it's it it really provides a lot of good data on on a student and the system, et cetera. But it's not just about this equity. And I I would concur with what your BU colleague. Yeah. So, anyways, Bear, I want to thank you really for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Where can listeners and test takers learn more about City Test Prep? They can thank you so much, Linda. It's great to see you, and such a joy to have a conversation like this. Do you do you remember the first time we met? I remember we were at the the bean. At coffee bean, coffee bean, right? And you were trying to uh, explain to me about the mindfulness and and various other techniques. And uh, you were, I guess, you were afraid you weren't getting through because I'm not not that into this, but I am very much into Carolyn Dweck's or Carol Dweck. I remember it's Carolyn or Carol Dweck's work. Um, and you were like, what? You know, you were you were getting a little frustrated with me. And I finally said, No, I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about Lamas for test takers. And, and, um, anyways, that was the one thing I could relate to at that point, but in any case, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can listeners and test takers learn more about city test prep? They can find us at citytestprep.com, H-T-T-P-S, citytestprep.com. And they're welcome to reach out to me. We have free consults if people have questions about what they need to do on their tests. And we've got lots of resources on the website. And I'm happy to talk to folks if they've got questions about how to improve their test scores.
Wonderful. Thank you for that offer. We're going to include links in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 427 to the website that Barbara just mentioned, City Test Prep's website, as well as to other links to related articles and interviews. And I'll include a link to the, the book that we've been talking about, Growth Mindset, because um, it is a fantastic book. Listener, thank you too for joining City Test Prep's Barbara Sapir and me for our 427th episode. A quick reminder, take advantage of Accepted's price rollback today and tomorrow. Check it all out at accepted.com slash services. It ends tomorrow, July 21st, so don't delay. Again, that's accepted.com slash services. And a final request, if you find the show worthwhile, please share the good word by leaving a review on iTunes. Your doing so helps us spread the news about Admission Straight Talk. You can leave that review really easily by going to lovethepodcast.com slash A-S-T. Again, that's lovethepodcast.com slash AST. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.